Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, it's another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan. Fellas, it's episode 506. We're coming off the Combine. Free agency is just moments away. It feels like news is trickling in about... Uh, and by the time a lot of our listeners hear this about um, all the tags that are being dropped, um, that deadline's right around the corner. We are recording on Monday night, so lots of stuff to get to. Uh, certainly, we want to talk about the combine. We want to talk about the latest DLF ADP. We're going to talk trade on this episode. There's some big news breaking, of course. We got to get to as well. But first, we got to bring in Matt and Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Doing well. I'm uh, I'm excited. It's it's a good time of year for us dynasty folks. We uh, we were talking about this the other day that the the extra week of the regular season, of course, and obviously pushed all of those things back. The Super Bowl was a week later, but it, it just feels like it's it, it's bled right into the the combine. Uh, and Dan, as you mentioned, free agency right around the corner. So. Uh, feels like uh, we haven't had as much of a of a, a break or downtime as usual, which is a great thing for us. Yeah, I love it. And here at DLF, there is no off season. We've we've always said that. Uh, it certainly feels that way this year, Matt. We've we've had so much happening. Feels like feels like there was a moment to breathe, and that moment ended real fast because we're we're cramming all this knowledge about the draft. That's just right around the corner yeah the the fire hose of information is open uh until what like june july until we get a little bit of a breather after um after all of the offseason rookie stuff before we get to many camps i'm so excited for that but honestly i just want to hear ryan tell me about his his combine experience and if if it's something that other people should should maybe want to go to at some point well, we're going to get to that. Uh, and soon enough, we'll hear from Ryan, who spent a few days in Indy with all those elite athletes and I guess everybody from the fantasy and NFL communities. First, we should talk about the big news of the day. The Startup. Guys, this one hits home. It, it hurt, really, to hear the news. Ryan, actually, you broke it to me. I get a I get an odd hour of the day call from Ryan McDowell, and he tells me to sit down. I got some news. I'm sure you haven't heard it just yet. I'm like, it's got to be brand new because I'm listening to NFL radio. I haven't heard it yet. Calvin Ridley suspended for gambling on football games. The man, I I was just my my mind went a hundred different ways, Ryan, when you told me that. Um, you know, we just went through such a tough season as Kelvin Ridley fans, Kelvin Ridley managers in our dynasty 
leagues. And now he's going to miss at least the entire 2022 season for gambling on NFL games last year, which happened in late November, a five-day period, where where he was kind of away from the team, he said, for mental health reasons. Um, and that suspension is going to be revisited in 2023. So it's at least one full season. We already lost more than a half a season, Ryan, of Kelvin Ridley on our teams and and there's just so much to kind of unpack here. There really is. And and it seems like a lot of the details that we have gotten so far on this, honestly, are just irrelevant to me, at least. Like, I don't care where he was. I don't care what sports book he bet on. I don't care that it was a parlay or that he used a cell phone. I even saw that report that he used his cell phone to make the bet. Who cares? None of that matters. From a dynasty standpoint, all that matters is that he's not going to be on the field for another full year and maybe even more, you know, the, the terms of that report, as you kind of hit on there a little bit, Dan, were at least and, um, suspended indefinitely that he would have to, uh, apply for reinstatement to the league a year from now and, and nothing is guaranteed. And that's really kind of where we've been with Ridley for the past six months or, or, or so. Nothing is guaranteed. We didn't even know if he would play in 2022 before this news broke, there was still some some uncertainty about that and, and certainly about what team he would play for. Uh, since this news broke, we've heard reports that the, the Falcons were at least in talks to trade Ridley, and, and obviously that's not going to happen at this point. Um, you know, if you've got him on your roster, you've carried him since week, uh, what, three or four or five, whatever it was, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't stash him on IR. He just took up that valuable roster spot. And now, in most leagues at least, he's going to do that for another year, hold down that roster spot with zero production, and the value's just going downhill from here. Some of those reports, you mentioned a couple of them there. I don't care about it. They even mentioned he was betting on Falcons games. I I really don't care. All I care about is I have him on so many rosters, and now, like you mentioned there, Ryan, He's not only taking up that roster spot. I play in salary cap leagues. There are salary cap ramifications. And now we all have to make decisions on how to move forward. Yeah. Ryan, I know that hit home for you yeah. because of dead presidents. <laughs> uh, we'll have to have a conversation off air about that one. Um, there's just, as I said before, so much to unpack. There's so many different ways to look at this. Ridley took to Twitter after the suspension was announced. He says, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. People reacting to the LOL harshly, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Just going to be more healthy when I come back, he put on there. I I guess that's the silver lining, maybe. If you know me, you know my character, which certainly is in question. And then the one that really I grabbed my attention, I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. It doesn't matter if you if you gambled a dollar, fifteen hundred dollars, or fifteen million dollars. It's it's so against the rules, and all these players know this. It's it's just such a massive mistake, Matt. And something that now we as dynasty managers we have to decide what we're gonna do with him moving forward. From a pure football standpoint, you just shake your head because because this isn't supposed to happen. 
No, it's really not. And it's especially disappointing because a few days prior to that, he just had a, a simple tweet that said football is life. And I don't know about you guys, but I got real excited about that. If, just from that simple yeah. tweet, I guess I probably read too much into it, but it made me feel like, okay, he's ready to go. His head's right. And, uh, you know, there's, I guess there's no way of knowing uh, that if, if this was the issue that caused him to, to drop out of the, of the 2021 season, um, you know, to begin with, I hope it's not. Uh, if it is, then that last comment about him not having a gambling problem certainly is not true. You know, we had we had Jordan come out, you know, during his career and, and talk about how he didn't really have a gambling problem. And then it came out that he did. You know, you just there's just no way to know about this. Uh, from a fear, pure football standpoint, it's just just disappointing, uh, and uh, I, we need to learn how to react to this news as as dynasty managers. Yeah, so let's start doing that. We we in a standard dynasty league, Ryan. I would say that most managers don't have a place to put Kelvin Ridley. They they can't move him to IR. They, there is no suspension list. There is no uh, to be determined list. So in in a regular league between 25 and 30 roster spots, clearly Ridley just sits there. He's hard to move. He's hard to trade. Matt, you can talk about some trade offers that you were talking about earlier today after you heard the news as well. What are, What is your general thoughts, Ryan, and how a dynasty manager should move forward uh, when it comes to Ridley? Should Should we try to move him? Should we be trying to trade him? Uh, or are we just we just stuck with this problem for at least a year? We'll certainly get more info as uh, as the days go by, thanks to the, the the trade finder and those valuable tools. I think I would be trying to move him right now. Uh, I, I think you can get a second rounder for him. Um, I, I know Matt tried to buy a little cheaper than that. Uh, if you can get a second rounder, he he's likely a sell at that point for me. I mentioned this on uh, on another podcast. I think probably the the better way to go, rather than uh, shopping for picks, is to sell him for a uh, for a veteran, for a player. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a lot easier to get a player who's worth a late first than to actually get a late first for Ridley, which uh, is just not going to happen at this point. Um, so I I think you start looking anywhere in rankings if you want to look at rankings or ADP. Anywhere in that um, 75 range, you know, in, in our latest or in our current rankings, we're talking about guys like Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, Damian Harris. That's kind of the range you could be shopping for. Again, it could be argued that those guys are all worth late first or early seconds. You could maybe get those players not going to get that late first round pick. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I think the I think that is the move, especially like if you're you know, if you're looking at. I think the people that are going to be most interested in this player are, are teams that are in kind of rebuild mode, you know? So if you can make kind of some kind of swap for a veteran, especially at this time of season when veteran value is down. So like, like Ryan Rinson, someone like Alan Robinson, who we hope is on a, on a new team and a, a brighter landing spot. Uh, he talks, Ryan talks about Adam Thielen a lot. These, these kind of guys that kind of replace that production. If you were counting on him uh, this season for a contending 
uh, for a contending roster. Uh, I did try to buy him cheaply. Uh, I guess really John did on a, uh, John Bosch did on a, on a team we share in the DLF uh, championship series. Uh, we tried to buy him for two, uh, basically two mid third round picks this season. Uh, and that was a, a pretty much a slam deny uh, from the, from the other manager. Uh, so maybe we got a little bit of cute from that. I did pull up the trade finder to see if anything has happened today. Uh, I don't have the time on these, but these did happen today, uh, uh, March 7th on Monday. Uh, we have 2.07 straight up. So like Ryan was talking for, for a mid-second, if you want to pick instead of a player, uh, Ridley and a second for a 2023 second and a uh, 24 first. Those, um, so, those, those sound like uh, sound like they happened after the news. Yeah, right. Those are the only two we have that uh, that that have been that have happened today, the day of the news came out. So you know, second round pick or or a veteran veteran uh, player that's going to help you this year. I think those that's the move. Uh, and, and just to continue off of that kind of line of line of thinking, maybe uh, I know Russell Gage. I think is a UFA. I think is uh, Olamide Zacchaeus is a is an RFA. Um, I don't know if we want to try investing in Frank Darby. I mean, feel like or, or uh, I think Tajay Sharp is also a UFA too. Come on, so man. I'm just saying. But, but really, the we real don't. answer here, the real answer here, is Kyle Pitts, and they're probably going to bring back Russell Gage, and that's somebody maybe you want to look at. I'd assume they're going to be active in the free agent market in the draft. That 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 list of receivers that you just mentioned, that's not going to be the the day one no. September first starting lineup of of wide receivers there in Atlanta. So I don't know if I'd be betting too much. I don't know. Poor choice of words, oh, I guess. Oh. Betting too much <laughs> Come on, on, on the guys that are currently there in Atlanta. You mentioned the price point. I like what you guys had to say. They're late first, uh, early second, player of that value, especially. Um, if I'm not contending though. And and I have 25 or more roster spots. I think I'm going to hold on to Ridley and hope for the best rather than take the 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 roll of the dice on on one of them young players or or whatever I get in free agency. I really like the Allen Robinson path, even Thielen. Go replace that production if you're contending. But if you're not, there's a chance there's a spike and it's only 12 months away. That's a long wait. But if you're not contending already, it doesn't seem so bad. Well, what we what we know about players in this situation, and typically it's a player who has been injured, uh, is that the closer we get to that return date, the more the more valuable they become. They become right. Um, so once we get to let's say the the trade deadline uh, of next uh, next season, once we get to uh, fantasy playoffs and and even the Super Bowl, you know we'll we'll start talking about Ridley more and more. I mean, we had a conversation a week or two ago about Deshaun Watson. And we said we had almost kind of forgotten about him throughout the, the past months. And we could be saying the same thing about Ridley a, a year from Good now. Point. You know, I will just throw out, and because I have mentioned the uncertainty about him even before this news, I, I did a Twitter poll that uh, got a pretty good response, a couple thousand votes. Just will Calvin Ridley ever play in the NFL again? And uh, essentially it was kind of a 67-33 Results so two thirds of the uh, of the respondents do expect him to play again. I do as well, but that there's still at least a little bit of concern that uh, because of the seriousness of of this issue and just because of all the other questions about him. You know where does he where does he play? Uh, is he even going to be able to stay in shape? We I don't think we should just assume that. Um, 
you know, with almost two years out of the game that, that he's going to come in at 28 and a half years old and, and be ready to go uh, week one of 2023. Uh, I know in, in my rankings over at DLF, overall rankings, I had him 44 overall in my top 250 prior to that news. And that was uh, th- that put him at wide receiver 24. I dropped him to 97 overall and wide receiver 46. So that's that's kind of where I'm looking at him right now. And all for good reason, of course. The last thing I want to say about Ridley here is that I, I think there's a chance that that the hammer hasn't br- been brought all the way down on this. This is a this is a big topic among NFL owners, actual NFL owners, and the you know the amount of money that they're bringing in, the revenue streams brought in by gambling and all the sites that we all care about. It's a slippery slope. There's a chance that they're going to want to make a make a, a big splash with this and make other players reconsider before clicking that button on the app and making a bet in the future. So I, I don't think the door's been closed on any of that. I think Ridley should definitely keep his mouth shut um, and, and just fade into oblivion for a few months. The one unique uh, thing that I did read with the Ridley situation is that he will lose that vested year, and now he's under contract with the Falcons again for 2023. So that's something to keep in mind as you as you value him moving forward. I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll talk about Kelvin Ridley because he is such a such a player that is so near and dear to my heart. I'm I'm just ugh. Let's move on. It's time for the rookie report. Yeah, the Rookie Report is a staple of the DLF Dynasty podcast, but it's going to be with a twist this week. Of course, we're coming off the Combine, Ryan. You spent a few days, as we said earlier, in Indianapolis listening to these players talk, watching some of these guys run the 40 and and lift and and do all the things that they had to do. I had to cram it uh, on a a small monitor, on my my phone, on on a small TV at my in-law's house. And I watched every second of it that I could. I was so jealous that you were you were there listening to these guys face to face. Really, yeah, it was it was a great experience. It was actually the second time I've uh, gotten to go and, and represent DLF. I will say the first time two years ago, uh, which was actually right before uh, COVID really broke. I remember getting back from Indianapolis and thinking that that might have not been the best decision ever, but. Um, when I went two years ago, basically came late in the week with the plan or the goal of seeing the players on field performance. And um, it was it was a surprise that uh, as as we were prepping for that, that that media actually don't have access to that on field. Everything we see, the 40s, the the uh, vertical jumps and those things, media, at least most media, of course, we'll, we'll get ESPN and the NFL guys in there, but most media. Uh, do not have access there. So hmm. we got in two years ago as fans. But honestly, if you've ever gone to a, a track meet or a, a swim meet, that's kind of what it felt like. A lot of waiting for for the, the events and the activities that you really cared about. So if you're just talking about those things that we all really think about when we think NFL Combine, I definitely prefer sitting on my couch and, and <laughs> watching uh, on the television. Uh, but this year, knowing knowing all that, we changed it up. We got there early. We got access to uh, the interview uh, room. 
for uh, basically every every player that was invited to the combine. Almost every player, at least. I'll, I'll get to that soon. But almost every player came through that interview room and um, got to, to listen in uh, on, on the, their uh, answers to, to so many questions. And coaches and, and general managers came through as well, and, and we got to hear most of those. So uh, just, just a really great experience. You mentioned lots of uh, NFL, lots of NFL draft, uh, you know, draft nicks and, and experts and, uh, of course, a few fantasy football people thrown in it, it was a really great week to experience all of that yeah like I said so jealous that sounds like it sounds like a dream really to to just be able to listen in on that and I was following your Twitter feed lots of lots of cool points that the, those players brought up that Ryan brought to us let's go through some of the some of the highlights I guess of of the combine and Ryan you can you can chime in with with really anything that you heard kind of behind the scenes that maybe not all of us got were privy privy to uh we might as well start with the quarterbacks I, I you know I watched every quarterback throw I I saw I I read as much as I could on on impressions that they made it didn't feel like there were a lot of surprises Malik Willis he made the workout look easy guys and he has a cannon for the for an arm but those accuracy issues kind of popped up with a couple of those throws in the middle of the field. Ryan, you were there. What were your thoughts on Willis as a whole? Yeah, it's such an interesting um, event from from our standpoint because, of course, we're we're thinking fantasy and, and dynasty football, and uh, the large majority of people there that you're interacting with, or even if you're just kind of listening in on conversations, uh, are just coming from a straight NFL or NFL draft. Uh, perspective. So the thoughts on Willis that I overheard were similar to what you might have seen in in mock drafts that uh, the upside is there, the the talent is there, he can run, but he's not ready. You know, we heard a lot of that and that he uh, that that there was really no locked in quarterback one that it could be any of these two or three players. Now by the end of the week, I think opinions were starting to change and Willis was uh, was establishing himself. I don't want to say locking himself in, but certainly um, putting himself in a position to be the favorite, to be that QB one uh, in the NFL draft. And and really, that's where we've already been as dynasty managers and analysts because of because of that upside, because of the running ability. You know, listening in on his interview and I uh, listened to every question that he was asking and all of his answers. Uh, I came I came away. Um, a little confused, honestly, because he did not give those canned answers that that a lot of players did, and, and that you might hear in general. Uh, he was asked a lot about. I remember one question about Josh Allen. Uh, someone said, basically, you know, Josh Allen came in with similar concerns as you have right now. You've seen him grow and and improve and become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Does that inspire you to do the same thing? And he said, no, not really. I, I don't really watch other players. I only care about myself and, and, and my growth and my game. And that, those were the answers to every question, basically <laughs> like that. He focuses on himself. He's not worried about other players. He didn't grow up playing football. Or I'm sorry, he didn't grow up liking football. Somebody followed up with a question. Somebody followed up with a question of, when did you start liking football and when did you stop thinking it was boring? He also mentioned it was boring. He said, when I got good, uh, he talked about transferring to Liberty and said that 
he just thought he would play out his football career. He had no real aspirations or expectations to be in the, in the position he is now. So I came away from that really kind of confused about him as a prospect. We probably all saw that video of him helping um, and, and offering a, 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 a gift to one of the homeless people in there in Indianapolis. And unfortunately there were, there were many as you walk the streets. Um, I, I did hear a, a, an indie local suggest that uh, either that was staged or that Willis got hoodwinked by, um, <laughs> by someone. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go any deeper on either of those. It certainly looked like a nice gesture. So I think we have to take it uh, on face value. And, and then finally, Dan, you already mentioned the, the arm strength that was on display once he did get on the field was just just crazy. Oh my gosh, the ball just popped out of his hand, yeah. looked effortless. Um, really, just the same thing that we came away from the Senior Bowl thinking, uh, or the all the postseason stuff. Malik Willis has has the arm, has the legs, has has all the stuff that you want. You just is it too raw? And mm-hmm. us as dy- the dynasty community, uh, it's hard for us to, to get the inside scoop on that. It sounds like you got a little bit of that. We'll certainly cover that when we get to our rookie report on Malik Willis. Other things from the quarterbacks, guys, that I saw, Carson uh, Strong, he has like Josh Allen type arm mm-hmm. strength. Holy cow, he uncorked one deep. He threw that ball so much later than any other quarterback, and I thought, what is he doing? Holy cow, throw it already. And he still hit the guy in stride. Now he has all kinds of accuracy issues as well, but that was that was eye popping to me. Kenny Pickett, very small hands, but look at throwing the football. And Desmond Ritter is really fast. He had the best forty, the best vertical, and the best broad among all the quarterbacks. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Athletic guy. He he probably helped himself out and probably helped himself from a lot of dynasty manager standpoint as well. Those of us that really keep keep track of those things, we're in love with the athleticism. Ritter has that stuff. The main thing that that the pot that the uh, the combine really showed me was how much speed there is at wide receiver guys. Nine wideouts with a sub four four speed, including uh, high draft picks like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. That's impressive. Christian Watson from North Dakota State, four three six forty at six four, two hundred eight pounds. He's a day two pick. I think he locked himself into that. Uh, he had an 11-4 broad jump, first among wide receivers, and a 38.5-inch vertical, which is sixth among, amongst wide receivers. So an athlete, Kelvin Austin the third from Memphis, top three in 40, broad jump, and vertical, Matt. That guy is an athletic freak, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Calvin Austin, I, I I didn't really. I, usually, when I look when I go to the the combine, I don't. Uh, I, I watch all the players first because I want to see if the, the 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 things that we see at the combine, the way they test, kind of matches the thing on the field. That's kind of how I use the combine. Do they match? And if not, go back and watch it and and see what I'm missing. Uh, he's one, unfortunately, that I did not watch uh, before going to the combine, but a six six five and a three cone. That's my favorite drill, and anything around seven. Uh, is really good for a wide receiver. So he blew that out of the water. Um, the reason why I like the three cones so much is I feel like it really directly translates to, to on the field in an NFL game. You know, the, 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 the drill tests 
short uh, short area quicks and, and agility, explosiveness out of those breaks, you know, super important for route running and things like that. Um, uh, so that's a really impressive stat for me. Now, I will say that the record holders at this at, at this particular event, not many of them have really worked out to anything in the NFL, and, and, and Calvin Austin certainly lacks size. Um, but if he's used as a space player out of the backfield, if he's able to, uh, you know, as a slot player, you know, get him out on quick slants and things like that. And he's able to use that short area agility. And then, of course, that long speed that we saw uh, in the 40. You know, I think there's opportunity there. Your draft capital is going to matter a lot for him. And getting an opportunity with an NFL team is going to matter a lot. But from what we saw from him at the combine, it was very impressive. Yeah, looks like just a, a, a burst uh, of athleticism whenever he's on the field. I went back and watched him at Memphis a little bit more as well, and it, it certainly looks like a lot of the, the those traits transfer to on-field. Sky Moore was another wide receiver that really caught the eye of most that were watching. Out of Western Michigan, small school, but had that 4-4-1-40, and he looked awesome in that gauntlet. Really, really smooth catching the ball. Didn't slow down at all, and that's what you look for. I love the gauntlet myself. Tight ends, guys. There, there's a little more upside maybe than us in the dynasty community maybe thought coming into the combine. Trey McBride didn't run the 40, but he looked incredible catching off-target th- passes. Um, he really looked good um, in the gauntlet as well. We mentioned last week that, that he's definitely the tight end one. He solidified that, I thought, with the drills on the field and at the combine. Can't wait to see what he runs in the 40 at his pro day. There were others... Greg Dolchich, Jalen Weidermeyer, um, Isaiah Likely, and then Chig Okonkwo. He really looks like an athletic freak. Super raw, out of Maryland. That guy is, he's got some long-term upside. I really, really like him as a fourth-round dart throw. He might work his way all the way up into the third round of rookie drafts. For the running backs, fellas, um, the top guys seem like they separated themselves for me, Ryan. Brees Hall was top six in 40, broad jump and vertical. Number one vertical at 40 inches. That's some explosive explosiveness, like really cemented himself as a complete running back. And then Kenneth Walker, a guy that I said is, is, is a great big 10 running back and I really like him and man, he really looked explosive. Four, three, eight in the 40, had a great broad jump. His vertical was good. Um, he dispelled a lot of the concerns about his explosiveness. I think those two are locked in as the top two dynasty running backs right now. It really feels that way. And I know uh, Brees Hall during his interview time even mentioned uh, that one of the questions about his game was his speed. He was asked what he, what he expected to run. And in fact, I think basically every player was ex- asked what they would, uh, what they expected to run. None of them answered it, at least as far as I heard. He did not. But uh, but but he he showed up on the field, you know, once once the the uh, the, the time to run came with that four, three, nine. I think he answered any question there was. It did seem like whether you were looking at early dynasty rookie rankings or ADP or if you were looking at mock drafts, you could find any order for those top three of Walker, uh, Spiller and Hall. And, and you're totally right. Solidified and Spiller's kind of on the outside looking in. He did say during his interview that he was doing everything uh, on the field, including running, and of course we know now that he did not run, so whether he changed his mind or or what exactly happened there, I'm not sure. Yeah, I hope to find out because his his athletic numbers really didn't look that great right. when it comes to Spiller. 
hope to kind of find out that it just wasn't his day and that's why he backed out of the 40 or something like that. Maybe he can dispel some of those concerns. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Spiller a little bit more in a moment. The other positives for running back, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, top three and 40 at 437. His broad jump was 10-4 uh, and his vert was 36 inches. So, um, like sleeper of the year candidate at running back, certainly looked explosive among that whole group of running backs on the on-field drills. He looked like the best one of that group. And that was a little surprising. I'm from South Dakota. I love Pierre Strong. I've watched all the, uh, all the all the film on him and thought, man, he looks really good. I wonder how it'll translate to the NFL. At this point in the process, it certainly feels like it's, it's transferring. Um, Devontae Price from Florida International, James Cook, and Zamir White from Georgia, they also had good days at running back as well. For the bummers, the guys that, that kind of made you think, oh, really? Traylon Burks was the guy we have to mention first. Measured in at 6'2", not 6'4", had small hands. The, those reports of 11-inch hands and 4'3 speed guys, that was wrong. He he only had a 33-inch vertical, and that, that 4'5", has people questioning some things, I guess. We'll see. I, you know, we really expected at least 4'4 speed, right? And to go at 4'5", that, that's that's concerning at the very least. Yeah, Burks was actually, um, I keep going back to the interviews, he was so impressive, though, and, and it felt like he was uh, was prepared and, and almost coached for that, which I'm sure he was, and, and most of those players were. Uh, when he asked about who he patterned his game after, he mentioned Debo Samuel, which, of course, is is kind of the buzzword of the offseason uh, when, when it comes to uh, comparing these players to a wide receiver. Uh, he asked about... Um, where he likes to play on the field. He said playing outside is easy. Uh, I'm not, not so sure about that, especially at the NFL level. But he also said he could play from the slot and said he could play running back. So, again, he knew what the crowd wanted to hear. I was, I was disappointed by his, his numbers on the field uh, or in, in the, uh, the events as well. But he's still an 87 percentile speed score uh, for a player his size. So I, I'm not quite as concerned about him as, as others seem to be. I think at the very least, he's still in the conversation to be the 101 rookie pick. Oh, yeah. I don't think we need to go too far with it. It We, we really wanted that dynamic showing, and we just didn't get that. You have to go to the film to see the dynamic playmaking uh, that he offers, and he's got plenty of that, as we covered in his rookie report. Other notes, some of the bummers, Jahan Dotson, for me, was one. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, he ran four four three. that's great. I kind of expected him to be the fastest wide receiver of all of them. Four four three is great, but I, w- I was really hoping for that four three flat or something like that, and he didn't quite do that. Um, David Bell, Matt, he ran a little slower than expected, four six five, and and doesn't exactly have the leaping ability, thirty three inch vertical, but look good catching passes. What are your thoughts on Bell? I I just don't care about the combine mm-hmm. performance. I mean, that's not that's not the player he is. You know, Keenan Allen ran like a four seven one, and he's done pretty good in the NFL, and he's someone I think he'd be closer to than any kind of athletic freak type wide receiver. Uh, he makes his money with his route running, his ability to find those soft spots in the zone, uh, and just get open and, and, and make plays for his team. So uh, I don't, I just don't care about it. And if this pushes his stock down towards the end of that first round, I know it's kind of already there in super flex formats. But if that pushes him like outside of the top five receivers in this class, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have a lot of David Bell. So I just, I just don't care. About He's that a player that we care about 
we care about draft capital with yeah. him, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we just got to see him uh, early day two, first first half of the second round, and we'd feel really good about David Bell moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that and to- totally agree with everything Matt said. And talk about value. I uh, We're doing our post-combine rookie mock drafts. We'll have that ADP uh, for both one quarterback and super flex uh, rookie drafts up on the site very soon. But I know in at least one of those super, fl- super flex mock drafts, he fell to the third round, and I was glad to scoop him up there. Whoa, didn't expect yep. that. Uh, we either. mentioned Isaiah Spiller. Um, only jumped 30 inches in the vertical and 9.6 in the broad jump. He's going to run that 40 at his pro day, Matt, but he looked pretty average on the field. Again, I just I just don't think that anyone really expected him to like test out off the charts. You know, again, he's not that kind of player. He makes his money with his footwork, his physicality, his ability to be a three down player. He can make over the shoulder catches down the field. Like he's just, I, I just don't really, really care that much because I didn't expect him to, to test. I know the, the, the vert was pretty below average. Uh, I guess the broad was too, but I don't know. I just it it doesn't really bother me that much. And 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 some of these mocks that Ryan was talking about, I've been getting him down in the, like the one hundred nine, one ten range in superflex formats and one quarterback. You know the one hundred six, one hundred seven range. Uh, and I don't know if that's just an extreme overreaction to what we we saw or didn't see at the combine. But for that price, uh, I, I still want him over Kenneth Walker. And if I can get him for a late first now instead of like a top four or five pick, like it was, uh, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago, then I'd like to use that to my advantage yeah he was he was side by side with some of those running backs though and he didn't stand out at all and that I I was slightly concerned I guess again I hope it's just a bad day an off day maybe had a tweak you know any one of those concerns one of those things pop up and 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 you have an off day it's only one day I'm not gonna read too much into it I am looking forward to see what he does at his pro day though Kyron Williams, the last guy we should talk about from Notre Dame, slower than a lot of people expected. In fact, much slower, just 4.65. I saw some reports that he looked good in drills, guys, and and I didn't think he stood out at all. I thought his pass-catching drills looked really good, and that's what what we want Kyron Williams for. Well, that's all he has going for him, though. True. I mean, that's it. He's a third down back. Yeah, but we already knew that. Yeah, I mean, that's mean. His size was a big, uh, a, a big uh, discussion point, I think, and we were just hoping somehow that he was over 200 pounds. He was not, not necessarily all that close. 194, uh, a little bit shorter than expected as well. And, and then the on-field stuff was was rough. I think of the skill position guys, I think he's the the biggest loser yeah. of of the combine. I mean, this was a guy that was going late first round of our. Uh, pre-combine mocks and I mean he could fall a full round pretty easily like at this point his upside is Jamal Williams or something like that and that that doesn't feel all that good much smaller but smaller yeah yeah. um before we move on guys we should talk about our friends over at monkey knife fight this podcast is brought to you by monkey knife fight a daily fantasy sports site built for the rest of us instead of competing against professional players monkey knife fight is made for the average fan to have a chance at winning monkey knife fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests including their popular more or less games 
allowing you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than a given line. In addition to the usual games for football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, esports, and more. Not only can you play these fun, unique games, but if you sign up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you'll get a free year, a full year, of DLF Premium for free. Simply log on to the site, click the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account with an initial deposit. Monkey Knife Fight is going to match that deposit up to 100 bucks, and your DLF subscription will be set up automatically within 36 hours. What are you waiting for? Go sign up today. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, we're always down with ADP, and we're up against the clock a little bit, but we thought it'd be fun, Ryan, to talk about the risers and fallers. The biggest riser in February ADP, wide receiver for the Bills, Gabriel Davis, up 25 spots from 106 to 81. Talk to me about Gabe Davis and what we what, what really drove this rise in his ADP. Yeah, first of all, it was actually kind of tough to find um, th- those key risers, from January to February, because uh, if you're uh, if you're a big DLF fan, which I hope you are, you know that once February comes, we're getting those rookies added in. So we're adding uh, 30 or 40 rookies to the pool, and, and almost everybody becomes a faller almost by default in that range. But if you think about the timing, this one is, is really no surprise. Gabriel Davis had that huge game in the playoffs with what I think he had four touchdowns guys. It was, it was a monster performance and uh, immediately the, the dynasty world was talking about how high we could rank this guy. And when you add in that Manny Sanders and and Cole Beasley are probably gone, uh, we, we get, get a little excited. So he goes from outside the top 100 to 81 overall. And, and even with that big jump, I I think that's still a, a reasonable price for him to pay. Matt, what do you think of the price? 81 overall, are you willing to pay that? I, I think I'm out uh, on that. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it could, I, could be, I could be completely wrong, but I just it, – it's a little bit different situation, but he had this big – and not quite as big, obviously, but this mm-hmm. big stretch at the end of the 2020 season, and it didn't materialize. I know they signed him, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and, and Cole Beasley. So they were still there and all that kind of stuff, but – I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the Bills want to make him a, a premier part of their offense. So, I mean, this, like Ryan said, this is still a reasonable price to pay, but it's getting to that upper edge where I'm getting nervous about it. Yeah, and for, for reference, players going behind him, Miles Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Kenneth Walker, Kadarius Toney, Mike Williams. So, yeah, maybe maybe Matt's right. It's a little high. <laughs> I think I'd me. have most of those guys than him, honestly. I would as well. Yeah, it's, it might be a tad high. I subscribe to the narrative that the late signing of Emmanuel Sanders is the reason that Gabriel Davis didn't get the early season opportunities. He gets hurt. Sanders is off the field a little bit more. And Davis really has another stretch where he blows up. I'm willing to pay that price. But but there are other names worth considering in ADP. Uh, or at least in, in startup drafts. Uh, other guys that have gained a lot of steam, Matthew Stafford off the Super Bowl, up 24 spots from 135 to 111. And Josh Jacobs, kind of a surprising mm-hmm. one, guys, up 20 spots from 61 all the way back up into the nearly the top 40 at 41 overall. That was surprising. For fallers, 
Ryan, Odell Beckham Jr., down 42 spots. The injury clearly driving that. Uh, From 87 down to 129. Tell me about OBJ. Yeah, as you said, obviously it's all about the injury. I I think he's probably fallen too far. I was at least surprised uh, that he he went that far behind Van Jefferson and and Daryl Henderson, a couple of his uh, teammates or, or former teammates, I guess we should say. Uh, behind Jacoby Myers and and, and Michael Gallup, I, I don't know, a little too far for the OBJ fall. But um, I mean, it, we could be you know middle of the season before we see him play either. So yeah, a little bit of an overreaction considering how dynamic he looked late in the season yeah. and through the playoffs. I think I'm I'm definitely willing to pay that pr- new price tag somewhere in the middle, right around the hundred range seems about right. Other guys that fell big time: Matt Rondale Moore down thirty five spots from seventy eight to one thirteen, so pretty much flip flopped with Gabriel Davis, and then Jerry Judy down twenty eight from forty five to seventy three, which could change drastically depending on what they do at quarterback. Yeah, I think I think Rondell Moore. I mean, listen, I I, I clearly have bias for I, my enjoyment of watching Rondell Moore play football, um, but I think that's fault. That's that's too far. And in, in our Superflex ADP, he's down at wide receiver forty nine, one thirty three overall, uh, and outside of the tenth round, especially in that format, like that that just seems like a bargain to me. Um, so I I mean. The early, early in this off season, right now, I think for me, Rondell Moore is the is the buy of, of at least the week, if not the month, if not the entire off season. I'm still in on Rondell Moore as well, but I I think this is just an example of market correction. Uh, his value had hung on, even though he basically hadn't produced his entire rookie season. I mean, what what was he, Dan? Seventy eight overall is what you said, I believe, prior uh, to yep. this and. I mean, that's that's just simply too high, honestly. The the range he is in now, uh, around uh, around Lavisca Chenault and Chase Edmonds, DJ Chark, Mike Gusecki, that that's probably where he belongs. I am buying at that range, though. He's not even twenty two uh, yet. You guys, yeah. And the one big breakout game early in the season, I think there was a tip pass that he caught that that kind of added to that. Um, that that might have inflated that ADP throughout the season just a little bit, and it's just like you said, Ryan. Correcting, uh, we got a couple minutes to sneak in a question of the week, guys. Sure, sure. Yeah. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. And this one comes in from S Munoz on Twitter. Wants to know your general approach to startups this off season, Matt. So doing a draft, uh, give him a couple pointers. I mean, it feels like the shift is back from running back heavy at the top of the draft to wide receiver heavy at the top of the draft. Outside of Jonathan Taylor, I'm not sure there's a running back I want to draft in the first round. So uh, I'm back to, you call it productive struggle, call it whatever you want, wide receiver heavy, zero RB, hero RB. I think I want to stack up on wide receivers right now just because of the uncertainty we have at the top of that running back position. I just don't feel super comfortable with any of those guys outside of McCaffrey. Um you know, at the upper echelon of the running back position, whereas we have so many just amazing wide receivers up at the top. And if you want to throw Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews into that conversation too, uh, and obviously in super flex league, we're talking quarterbacks, right? Um, but uh, yeah, take wide receivers early and often, grab yourself one running back if, if you're intending to compete in year one. 
Um, that's been my approach so far in, in the mocks we've been doing at DLF. And I've, I've liked my team's uh, construction or the roster construction at the end of the draft with those more than the running back heavy approach early on. Because once you get outside of those top top few guys, it's it's, it's it gets ugly. You know, like, I, do you want to draft Alvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and these older guys early? I certainly don't. Do you want to draft Javante Williams as the running back five overall? I don't really want to do that yet. Um, so draft wide receivers, draft Kyle Pitts, and, and you know, let running backs fall into place. I think there are a lot of later running backs, the yeah. secondary guys that you can, you can add multiple pieces and fill in your starting lineup early, early on in the, in that league as well. The one thing I'd add to that, Matt, cause I was thinking the same thing. If you don't get pits, there are other wide, there are other tight yeah. ends that, that are worth considering early on. I like having one of those top six guys ish. If you can, if you can fit that in, it works good on a build. Ryan, anything to add to that? I would just, I would echo Matt 100% uh, and, and would just add that uh, I hate these years when it cycles back around to the wide receiver heavy, because that's really how I draft every <laughs> yeah. off season, every year. So when uh, now there's some competition, yeah, when everybody else is doing the same thing, it, it, it's no fun. So we'll, I think we'll continue to see running backs fall in, in most drafts. And, uh, you know, at some point they'll, they'll become a value. Let's talk trade. Yeah, let's do exactly that. I love talking trade. I wish we could pull one off live on the air. That's going to be a goal for this offseason between the three of us. Try to do that. Um, free agency just days away, guys. There is a player that we're all trying to acquire before a free agency win window. Um, it ties into another question that we got on Twitter from uh, A. Hoffner 44 Sorry if I mispronounced that. Are you waiting on free agency and the draft to make any major moves? I, I don't think any of us are going to wait on anything, right? We're always looking. We're always trying to improve our teams. Uh, and we're willing to bet on guys, right? If we have a hunch, if we have a strong feeling on something that's going to happen in free agency, right now is the time to do that before uh, the official move is made. Right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if um, even if you don't necessarily have that strong opinion, even if you just kind of have a hunch of how things might play out, uh, especially depending on the price of the player you're looking at. Uh, now now could be a great time to make that move before free agency uh, actually begins. So we all picked one player that we want to trade for before free agency, and we got our reasons why. Matt, who, did you, who are you targeting? I went with uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, he had a okay. very good first half, like a really good first half of the season, and then Lamar Jackson got hurt. The offense kind of, you know, fell apart a little bit. Um, but from weeks 1 through 10, he was the wide receiver 6. Uh, from weeks 11 to 18, wide receiver 48, and finished as the 22, wide receiver 22 on the season. Um, but currently, he's the wide receiver 31 in February ADP, 64th overall. I feel like that's a value with a fully healthy Lamar Jackson. Um, some recent trades that have gone down from him. I feel like in this particularly, there has to be something else going on because the most recent trade in the trade finder was 311, 408, and 502 for Marquise Brown, and that... That feels like an abomination of a trade. Um, Dobbins for Brown in a 2023 first. I'm happy to let Dobbins go for that. I think both Brown and Dobbins are in that late first range if you want to put a draft pick valuation on them. And then ETN straight up. I mean, I like ETN, and I think he's going to have a good season. Um, but there is still some question marks there with his health, uh, of course. So uh, Marquise Brown is my target right now. Yeah, I like targeting Hollywood. Ryan, you stayed in the same 
division, same position with a guy that's near and dear to your heart who hasn't had the same kind of bad news that that I've had with Ridley. <laughs> yeah, same division for now. Uh, of course, I've got to talk. <laughs> I've got to talk about Juju Smith Schuster. My gut says he's back. I'm starting to think he's going to be back again. <laughs> no, man. no, no, no. We've we've done that already. Ju- Juju has <laughs> said his that. good. He said his goodbyes to Pittsburgh. He's moving on. We got word today, I believe that was today, that the salary cap is up $25 million for next year. That's good news for Juju and uh, every other free agent that's about to hit the market. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's had his struggles, but that's been, um, that's been with Ben Roethlisberger as quarterback. That's been with a super crowded depth chart, and he's shown that he's, he's not – going to be the wide receiver one of a of an NFL team. That's okay. He doesn't have to be. He can still be super productive. 25 years old. His ADP this month is 88. That's the lowest ADP he has had since October of his rookie year, 2017. So his, essentially he's at uh, the lowest value he's been in uh, in several years. So take advantage of that right now in the next couple of days before he signs that contract uh, with an offense and a quarterback that's going to be better for him than Pittsburgh has been. Where is it, Ryan? What What's going to drive that value way up? Where, where does he land? Uh, well, I mean, we know the Chiefs had interest last year. Uh, I, t- I talked a couple weeks ago about how we don't necessarily want to chase the Chiefs wide receiver too, but um, again, they, they've shown interest. So that's uh, that would certainly spike his value, if nothing else. Yeah, there's so many strong landing spots. He could he could go almost anywhere and help a wide receiver core. I think I speak for all of us when I say just land somewhere with a good quarterback yeah. that that can get you the ball, timing and rhythm and, and quick passing game. That's that's ju- when Juju is at his best. I aimed a little bit lower with mine, and I straight stayed pretty close to home with a Packer. I'm going to trade for a free guy. I'm going to go get Robert Tunyon. Um, Late 18th round startup pick right now, 213 overall, tight end 25. So not even a tight end two at this point. My gut tells me, guys, that he is back in Green Bay. I've I've said all along that I think Rodgers will be back. I think Adams will be back. And I think they're going to try to run it back once again. And Tunyon's going to be part of that. There's really no market out for him. He's not going to be an early signing in free agency. He had that injury early on in the season, I think in game five, that capped his season, ended his season. Um, he was starting to come on late, those weeks four, week five, before the injury, seven catches for 112 yards and a touchdown in that final game and a half. Only had 18 catches and two touchdowns, 204 yards receiving in those five games. But, of course, had the big breakout in 2020, 52 catches, 586 yards and 11 touchdown. I think he comes back closer to that. He's not getting double digit touchdowns. I don't think he's catching uh he's catching 10 touchdowns once again, but those 52 catches, 6 700 yards, I could see that happening again. Um MVS, Lazard, both free agents right now. Recent trades for Tunyon, straight up for Quez Watkins, straight up for Jeff Wilson. So, if if you need a tight end, that's going to be affected by free agency. I think Tunyon might be your guy because you can get him for free. Yeah, I like that call, although, I mean, not necessarily a player I, I, I believe in. 
as you said, he, he, he's free. He's, he's almost, I mean, in fact, he may be out on the waiver wire in some dynasty leagues. So the investment is of course, cheap. If he signs somewhere else, if he doesn't end up with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, you, you haven't really lost anything except what? Quez Watkins. What happens when Evan Greengram is the, <laughs> is the Packers tight end next year, Dan? I don't know how they could afford him and, and still keep Adams and Rodgers and everybody they're else. looking for Vaughn Miller. They think I they think they're going to think they could be a player for Vaughn Miller. Yeah, I heard that. Jeez. Holy cow. <laughs> Guys, there's, you know, there's going to be just a, a swoon of information and news here in the next week. Is there anything we're specifically looking for as dynasty managers before we wrap up the show? I know there's there's a lot of the obvious stuff, the Aaron Rodgers stuff. We're we're all looking for the end of this saga. Um, there's there's all the free agency stuff that's coming out. You meant we mentioned a couple of the names that are 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 free agents and could sign. But what's what's the? It feels like there's some rumblings about trades. We saw the McCaffrey stuff in the last couple days that maybe they are getting offers for him. Is there something as a dynasty community that we should prepare ourselves for? I think just be ready to to react, uh, not not overreact, but be ready to react because we are going to get uh, just just overwhelmed with news. We know that uh, that legal tampering period begins next Monday and then the league, the new league year officially starts on Wednesday. So we're going to see moves being made. Uh, we already heard about some tags. David and Joku got tagged. I was bummed to see that. I yeah. wanted to see him with a new team. Uh, sounds like Devonte Adams will get the tag. Sounds like Chris Godwin will get the tag. Maybe Mike Williams as well. So um, what looked like a really strong free agent uh, wide receiver group is getting whittled down very quickly. Uh, for me, I think it's, it goes back to a little bit to the, that second listener question question we had. You know, the, the running back situations that are, you know, tenuous at best are the ones I think we, we should be looking for and, and probably avoiding. Mm. You know, we had the issue with, with, uh, with and me included, you know, buying uh, guys like James Robinson last uh, offseason, and then they went and got ETN in the draft. You know, the same kind of thing can happen in – uh, in free agency. So not that you're really, anyone's really like banging the doors down to go get, uh, guys like miles Gaskin and things like that. But, you know, just watch for those situations and maybe avoid, avoid those ones because you, you, bad things can happen to your roster, uh, from that standpoint in free agency and, and the draft. You know, for me, the thing that's been sticking in my mind recently is the Steelers quarterback situation. I really think that they're going to wait a year. I, I don't see them grabbing one of these young young guys in the draft. I think they might just stick with Mason Rudolph for a year, and, and that's going to affect these wide receivers if that happens. All these all these targets, really, Fryermuth included, the running game included. And, you know, maybe they sign a low end guy, but it feels to me like the Steelers are setting themselves up with their fan base to roll with Rudolph for a year. And then re re look at the position once again in the 2023 draft, and that that doesn't sound great for us as dynasty managers. It's a it's a fear that has been building inside of me for for the last couple of weeks, but just a gut feeling. Um, I guess that's going to do it for this episode, guys. So um, follow Ryan at Ryan MC 23. 
Get mad at at Matt Price FF. I'm at DMiler22. And then follow our podcast at DLF Podcast. Get your questions of the weekend. You can get your, your question answered right here. And, and send us your trades and, and the, the things that are going through your mind. We want to know about them. We might even talk about them on the next episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.